Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and that makes us Stuff You Should Know. That free podcast that comes out twice a week faithfully, and um, you don't pay a dime for it, do you? Do you? I don't. I certainly do not. No one does, Chuck. That's right. Um, but we're so glad that you listen to it, even though it is free. Hi, Frozen Body. Yeah, that, that was your idea, <laughs> wasn't it? It seemed like a no-brainer for our Simpsons fans to call this cryonics episode "High Frozen Body." Mm-hmm. Doctor Nick, that um, that episode has one of my favorite Simpsons lines of all time, uh, where the old guy Jasper. I love Jasper. Abe's sidekick. <laughs> He's so he, great. He, he, the frozen body. Yeah, yeah. He's the one in there. He comes out, he thaws out, and he goes over and picks up a moon pie, and he goes, moon pie, what a time to be alive. <laughs> I love that line. He's great. Yes. So um, if you haven't seen that episode of The Simpsons, we strongly recommend you do, right? Yeah, he just gets stuck in the freezer, right? And uh-huh. freezes? Yeah. By accident or something? Yeah. In the... Apu starts charging admission to see him, right. <laughs> or guess what the what's in the can that lost its label a long time ago. Uh-huh. So, um, the concept that you can freeze a body and reanimate it is not just you know Simpsons lore. No, it is not just cartoon TV lore. No, actually, there's a guy who um, kind of came up with this. Uh, he. he I guess in 1964, it's a guy named uh, Robert Edinger, Edinger, and uh, he just died a week or so ago, Chuck. That's right. Like 10 days ago, the man died, um, which is really weird that he did because we had no idea who he was. That didn't spur the idea for the podcast. Yeah, you picked this one, and then it turns out the guy who created the field of cryonics, who coined the word cryonics, died a week before. Yeah, I felt kind of bad because I picked this out last week. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was earlier this week. I can't maybe remember. he tapped you on the shoulder and was like, it's <laughs> maybe time. so. And then I always look at the news just to see, hey, if there's anything relevant. And I saw that. He died. <laughs> do you say hey when you check? <laughs> I do. And I saw that he died today, and my first instinct was, oh, awesome. How, yeah. how relevant. Yeah, and right. then I thought, well, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Actually. That was very uh, nice of you to share his. Oh, bit with me though is an intro. Yeah, he's ninety-two years old, and he is now frozen, per his wishes, in Michigan. Yeah, so he um he not only established the field of cryonics, which is the um basically the attempt to store human bodies at very low temperatures. Yeah, in order to eventually revive them. Yeah, they're technically not frozen, right? Uh, y- yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, to store human bodies at extremely low temperatures without freezing. Yes. That's called vitrification. We'll yeah. get into that. But he came up with this whole prospect, this whole idea, um, in a book called The Prospect of Immortality, which is why I just used the word prospect twice. Right. Um, and he wrote it in 1964 and it, it had a pretty sweeping effect in three years, three years later. The first person um, entered cryogenic suspension. Yeah, that was pretty forward thinking, I would say, back then. Sure. Because this sounds like something from the future now. And imagine in the six, early 60s. 
Right. Probably thought he was nuts. Right. But within three years of him writing this book, they're already they already started carrying out his procedures that he, he kind of came up with and described. He's a physics professor. Um, and he founded the Cryonics Institute, I believe is what it was called. And um, he joins two wives and his mother in suspended animation in a nondescript building outside of Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other, the guy, the first guy they froze, I keep, I'm going to say freeze this whole podcast. Right. Uh, James Bedford. He was a 73-year-old psychologist, and he is supposedly still frozen in, in uh, good shape in Arizona. Yeah, um, yeah, and we should probably let's do a disclaimer here. Like uh, when we say frozen or freeze or frozed, when we really screw up, <laughs> um, what we're 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 not talking about freezing. We're talking about, like we said, vitrification, which yeah. is a process of cooling the body down to extremely low temperatures without. Freezing. Freezing is the forming of um, ice crystals, right? That, that's no good for the cells of your body. No, but what they've found, supposedly, mm-hmm. says uh, groups like Alcor Life Extension Foundation. Al <laughs> <laughs> um, they they say that if you vitrify a cell or a group of cells, aka tissue or a body or whatever, um, you can preserve it. Not indefinitely. There's actually a length of time. Do you know the, the time length that they say you can preserve a body cryogenically? I'm going to guess 1,000 years. 10,000. 10,000? Do you know why they say that? Uh, no, actually. Because just being on Earth for 10,000 years, the body is exposed to too much cosmic rays and it just destroys the cells on its own. Hmm. Death, literal death by cosmic ray. Wow. Yeah, but it takes 10,000 years. So they're hoping that, um, and this is the whole point of cryonics, is that the people that we freeze or vitrify now will be able to be reanimated and um, cured of any disease, whether it be age or uh, heart attack or whatever sure. whatever killed them um, in the future. So there's a lot of... Um, Stuff floating around about cryonics, cryogenics. Walt Disney was not frozen. He was not. He actually died a year before the first guy was um, was frozen, vitrified. Okay. Um, so that's a complete and total rumor. But let's get to the let's 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 talk about this, Chuck. There's a lot of people who are skeptics of this. You realize? Oh yeah. But there's a lot of um, rationality to it as well. Sure. Okay. So go. Well, I think dead is where we should start off. Um, oddly enough, at the end is actually the beginning when we're talking about cryonics. Um, that was very clever. Thank you. I just made that up. Uh, Alcor is, is one of the big companies in Arizona, and they have a quote, uh, dying is a process, not an event. Mm-hmm. And that I don't know if that's like their huge Terminator-style quote when you walk in the lobby, but it should be because... No, no, they don't have it like on a on a sign or anything. Some guy comes up to you wearing like nothing but a lab coat and cowboy boots and shakes you while he says it and then runs off. That's how you're greeted. That's good. He should get a job at Walmart. <laughs> um, but that is the their whole point in that is that when your heart stops beating, you are legally dead. But there is still some cellular and brain function for a short time. Yeah. And their goal is to nab you in that instant. Mm-hmm. And get the process started in that instant and preserve what minimal function you still have left in your brain right. in that instant. And that's that's based on good science. Um, science is starting to realize that death is a gradual process. It's not, like they said, an event. 
it's not just like one moment you're living, next minute you're dead. Yeah. Uh, it's the whole thing. Remember, we talked a lot about organ donation, about um, brain death and um, cardiac death. Sure. And legally in the United States, if your heart stops beating, um, you can you can be declared dead. But as far as Alcor is concerned, your brain is still functioning. Right. Um, so therefore, if you can be preserved, you can be eventually reanimated. Like I said, this is sound science. Hypothermia research mm-hmm. has led to a new understanding of heart attacks, right? Right. So uh, a new technique of reviving a patient with a heart attack is to lower their body temperature to like 91 degrees very gradually and then um, revive them by letting the body warm back up. And they've also found from this research that you can't just inundate it with oxygen because oxygen goes in and just kills all the cells. Oh, I imagine, yeah. Because so, there's this horrible caveat to resuscitating a, a heart attack victim is that when you resuscitate them successfully, you give them oxygen. It's just standard procedure at a hospital. Sure. And they're alive and happy and everything's good, and then two days later, they die. And so they started to look at why people died, and they found out that it was because they were their cells were perfused with too much oxygen too quickly. Huh. So they found that if you lower body temperature and then gradually reintroduce oxygen right. on its own, you can bring a person back effectively from death. Well, it happens all the time, and I imagine, I mean, that makes sense. It's probably a traumatic event to be brought back to life on your body mm-hmm. itself, physiologically. Yes. So, yeah. sure, that makes sense. Yeah. But, like, I just said it happens all the time. People's hearts stop. People are trapped under ice and, quote, unquote, dead, and they're brought back to life and function normally. Sometimes they don't function normally. But this isn't so much different than that. No, it's not. It, it's, and it's based on that. It's based on that concept. It is. Um, so, Chuck, you're saying that if you, let's say you are a member of Alcor Life Extension Foundation, right? Which apparently is not that expensive. They liken it to um, a lifetime of smoking cigarettes or having cable TV or the like. Which is pretty expensive. <laughs> it is, but still, I mean, it's not as much as you would think, I think. I got the fees. Okay. Right here in front of me. Uh, if you're a first family member is, you got to see, here's the deal. You got to sign up and you got to pay for life. And then you got to pay, I believe, for the process on top of that. Right. Cause it's a membership club. Yeah. And then, yeah, you, you're, you're, there's going to be a spike in pay when you die. <laughs> so, uh, a first family member is 620 bucks a year. Uh, each additional family member, if you, you want them on your cell phone plan, <laughs> is $310 a year. A uh, minor family member is 155 bucks a year. And minor family, like a distant know. aunt? I guess. Not like, not siblings or... or no, I think not I mean the, a kid. Oh, really? <laughs> no, because it says... Oh, no, 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 wait, you're right. It says under 18. I'm totally right. <laughs> <laughs> like an aunt you don't really care about. That's what it's I thought. a minor family. Yeah, like <laughs> outside the nuclear family. <laughs> All right, and if you're a student, good news, it's only 310 bucks a year, but... um. <laughs> I imagine your rate jumps up when you graduate. Sure. Because you're not They always anymore. screw you when you graduate. So that's just the membership fees. The actual body freezing is... Up to 150K, this article says. Two, uh, Alcor is 200 now. Is it really? And the, and the brain is 80. And there's surcharges, if you're in England, of 15 grand. Outside US, Canada, and England, it's 25 grand. I wonder why. And then you can also get... If you're not a member, you can pay for... Uh, a family member, like let's say none of us are members and you want to freeze your father, the herbal Elvis, uh-huh. upon his expiration, yeah. you would have to pay fifty grand, two hundred and fifty grand. 
Because there weren't there weren't any membership dues. Paid? Yeah, so it's a fifty thousand dollars surcharge if mm. if you just want to say, hey, I want my dad frozen, and none gotcha. of us were ever members. Gotcha. All right, I'll have to talk to Dad about that. <laughs> See what he thinks. Um, so uh, let's say you are a member in good standing. You you've got you know minor family members, <laughs> totally insured <laughs> under this plan or as members as well. Yeah, and we should also say we keep saying Alcor. Alcor is the um. One of the, it's far and away the most widely known cryonics uh, group. Yeah. But um, there's like at least two others. Yeah, the one in Michigan, That's just, the, just go to their websites if you want to compare them. The Alcor looks pretty, they're both legit. But <laughs> yeah, the, the one in Michigan's <laughs> website is awful. It looks sort of like a MySpace page. It does. Yeah. My advice to the Michigan Institute is to... Just pay somebody to do your website. Seriously, if you want, if you want to be taken seriously. But that's the one that was founded by um, Robert Ettinger. Well, and I think he did the website in 1967. Yeah, I think so too. He's like, someday there's going to be an internet, and this is going to be the first thing on it, and it's <laughs> never going to change. Um, so, okay, let's say you're a member in good standing at any of the um, the uh, the cryonics uh, groups or foundations or labs, and you're about to die, right? What happens to you, Chuck? Take us through the process. Well, the first thing that happens is they are literally at your deathbed, the team is, waiting for you to expire. I want Arby's. And as soon as they do that, as soon as you die, rather, they will, uh, uh, as the article says, spring into action. (laughs) And also, Chuck, we should say they have to wait until you're declared dead. It's illegal to... um, Yeah, yeah. ...to... Put someone into a cryonic suspension, or as the Michigan website says, right now, <laughs> it's illegal. Okay. So I think they envision a future where you're, if you're on life support or something, you could probably, or if you're just fully healthy. They also envision a future where we reanimate dead people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so what they do is they spring into action. They stabilize your body by getting blood flowing and oxygen, but I guess not too much oxygen, and they pack you in ice. And pump in some uh, heparin, which is an anticoagulant, so mm-hmm. your blood doesn't clot. And then they it's rush like the you. the opposite of a calf stomach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they rush you to the facility where the real science begins. Right. And it's about here that things get a tad um, cutting edge. I would say so. So basically what they have to do is remove the water from your body, right? And not just like your pee <laughs> or your saliva. Yeah. They gotta literally get the water out of your cells. Yeah, I read at least sixty percent of your cells. Okay. So it must be all the organ cells and, and all I the think, vital and, yeah. and they go after the brain in particular. Oh yeah, the sure. The brain is of um the utmost importance. Um and you can actually have your brain alone cryonically suspended for something like fifty K. Eighty. Eighty K. They've raised it in the past five when years. When was this article written? I don't think it was that long ago, but hey, it ain't cheap. Um and they still store it in your head, by the way. It's not like Futurama. Oh, cool. They said it does too much damage and why bother? Your head is a great bowling ball case, that essentially. Is awesome. So, your so they head. just cut your head off and preserve the whole thing, but yeah. it's really just your brain that's undergone the vitrification process? Yeah. That and is neat. Ted Williams' head is floating somewhere. His whole body wasn't? They removed the body. They're in two separate chambers. Oh, that's right. That's so go ahead. Of a stitch up. <laughs> um, so... Uh, it, when you're on the table, they remove the water from your body. And how do they do that? I didn't understand how they, they remove water from your cells. So you're asking me? Yeah. I don't know. Is it a pressing? 
I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> the doctor just pressed down on you. I tried to find out the literal process of how they get the water from the cells and replace it with the antifreeze. But they do they do replace it with antifreeze, a glycol based, um, basically a human antifreeze. Yeah, a cyroprotectant is what they call it. A cryo. 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 <laughs> we got there eventually. Jerry's it's a cryoprotectant. Like, what are you guys doing? Jerry's like, this is not their best day. Yeah, it's a cryoprotectant. So they they pump you full of this stuff, basically like embalming fluid that will never freeze, um, and then they lay you on a bed of um, uh, dry ice. Yeah. And here, uh, this is astounding to me that you can even get a t- any tissue down to this this um, degree. But basically, they freeze your body. They, I'm sorry, they vitrify your body. Down to negative 130 degrees Celsius, which is negative 202 degrees Fahrenheit. Negative 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Isn't that like absolute zero? I don't know. We've been called out on that before, right? I will figure it out. No, we've been called out on whether 40 degrees is negative 40 is the same in Celsius or Fahrenheit, which it is. Oh, right, right. Um, And then once your body reaches that temperature, you are vitrified. You're ready to go. You're ready to be stored for up to 10,000 years. And what they do is they put you in a tank, right? Yeah, well, first of all, that means that means that your molecules have slowed down to the point where the chemistry stops. Right, there's no metabolism going on whatsoever. Nothing. It's called the glass transition temperature. Uh-huh. And uh so it just everything kind of goes that's suspended animation. <laughs> it's a perfect example of it. Thank you. It's great, Chuck. So they, they um, stuff you in a tank, right? That's right. Called a, uh, well, for, if it's just your head, it's called a neuropod, right? Okay. And then if it's your body, it's called a, um, I think a cryopod? I'd call it a full body pod. Okay. <laughs> but the, so And then they put you in a uh, container that can hold maybe four or five bodies, because you're not by yourself. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, especially if somehow you're still cognizant. Like if that was possible, and you just didn't really like the people around you, you're stuck with them for ten thousand. That years. would stink. Yeah. Um, so there's a uh, there's a pretty nice picture of an Alcor container that holds um, four whole body pods and six neuropods. Huh. Right. Um, so it's like a freaky futuristic nursing home in there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and there you go. You're you're on ice, as it were, for. 10,000 years. And then oh, every once in a while, they have um, what are called um, perfusion thresholds, I believe. Oh, yeah? And they have software that measures that, like the concentration of liquid nitrogen, because that's what you're in. You're in a vat of liquid nitrogen that's being cooled down ultimately, even even less than 202 degrees Fahrenheit. It's down when you're in cold storage, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, you are stored in about negative 320 degrees Fahrenheit. And liquid nitrogen at that temperature will eventually evaporate, so they have to keep adding some. And they have software that monitors this. And there you go. You are officially in cryogenic suspension. Head head down, upside down. Yeah, which I thought was pretty clever. Fact of the podcast for me. If there's a leak, you want your head down because yeah. you want your brain. I guess if it leaks, the, the bottom obviously will be the last bit to contain any of the liquid so that's where they want your head it's very clever yeah but again if you're the least bit conscious or cognizant or anything like you're, that, you're dead yeah but man can you <laughs> imagine like that that gives me a headache just thinking about being upside down i'm sure it's awful yeah all the 
frozen blood rushes to your head. That's right. In one giant block. <laughs> Ice, icy blood. Yeah. Vitrified. That's right. So, um, what's the deal with all this, Chuck? I mean, as we said, there's a lot of people who criticize this stuff. And it seems yeah. like for good measure. They're saying, like, you know, you're just, like, this is a nice, fancy pro- process that you guys have come up with, and we're sure that, you know, you're doing everything you're saying. And yes, it is based on real science, but you can base anything on real science, and it's still just pseudoscience. Sure. If it's not science, it's pseudoscience. It's trickery, right? Well, they get a lot of heat, obviously, uh, places like Alcor do, and they, uh, one of the problems they say is that, um, first of all, it's it's based on three very different uh, scientific fields. So the reason why most scientists don't come out and say this can work is because they're scientists in a single given field. Right. And they don't understand that this involves three very different disciplines. They're like podiatrists. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the other problems is that they... Uh, they one of the reasons that uh, what are they called cryobiologists or yes cryobiologists people who study um, low temperature biology yeah they say that they don't come out and say it can work because they feel like it has been given the pseudoscience moniker and so it'll overshadow the real work they've done quote unquote real work that they've done with other kinds of cryo freezing so they're just like I don't even want to talk about that stuff right I mean. You- your professional reputation is at stake. Yeah, sure. But, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that just because um, skeptics have labeled this fraud that it doesn't necessarily work. Uh, the other big point as far as um, cryonic groups or boards or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the the point that they tend to make usually is that we have no idea how to reanimate anybody. Yeah, they're upfront about that. Yeah, they're saying, like, what we're doing and um, this is what Alcor Life Extension is known for, is basically they know how to vitrify tissue yeah. and then just keep it that way mm-hmm. um, indefinitely. And so that's what they're saying they're doing. And basically they're just the keepers of these bodies that are in suspended animation or dead, depending on your view, right. um, until we come up with a, a way to revive them and repair anything that might have been wrong with them. And the, the great white hope, apparently, is among uh, cryogenic adherents is nanotechnology. Yeah, which makes sense. Right. You which is, uh, I mean, nanotechnology, they can get down to the single atom and, and do mechanics work, essentially. Right, repair work on yeah. cells. So they think that that is the future of being able to reanimate people like this. Yeah, which, again, it's, it's, um, that's, all well and good, but you can't just be like, oh, yeah, we heard about nanotechnology, and that's probably where it'll be. And how about this? Not only will it be the field of nanotechnology that reanimates people, but it'll be in 2040, which is apparently the number that they throw out. <laughs> so, um, a little dubious there. But it seems like if they stick to the fact that, no, we're putting people in suspended animation, and there's a good chance that if death is a process and we're getting to this process, mm-hmm. we're interrupting this process, then we can reverse it. Yeah, they're eventually. not saying we're promising eternal life or we're promising that we can bring you back from the dead. They're basically pretty upfront about saying we are a high-tech storage facility. Right. 
period. So when we when we talk about reanimating people, this is not new. Um, the idea of reanimating a corpse is, is extremely old. Um, there's a uh, there was this cool little movement in the 19th century called a uh, galvanic reanimation. <laughs> What's that? Basically, it amounted to um, hooking recently killed executed criminals up to like huge batteries via cables. Wow. And uh, during public display, like applying the electricity and making them like twitch and making their eyes open or making them <laughs> grimace horribly. And that was like how you reanimated a corpse, which... Is that like at the World's Fair or by, something? By definition, it, that is reanimating it, but you're not... It's the technical definition, you know? Um, it, it, it didn't imbue any life into it. Sure. But it did give uh, Mary Shelley a good idea for Frankenstein. Is that where she got it? Yeah. there. You know, that was a whole idea for a very long time that, like, if you could, under the right circumstances, introduce an electrical current to life, you know, to a dead body, you could bring it back to life, which is pretty clever if you think about it, because this was before the time of neuroscience or about the time it was nascent, right? Yeah. And neuroscience, if anything, has given us the um, awareness that everything is the result of like electrochemical conduction throughout the body. Right. So it was pretty smart to think of electricity as a way to reanimate bodies, although it it doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, and that's also the reason why they, they, obviously the brain is so important, and they say you can just opt for the $80,000 head freeze because uh, maybe in the future, I mean, if we're far far enough along where we can reanimate a a person from cryogenic freezing, Mm -hmm. then we should be at the point where we can clone you a body to go along with that head. Why not? You know? A hot body, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Sure. I would wear Daisy Dukes all the time in my body. <laughs> you don't even wear shorts now. Well, I don't have a hot clone body. I've, I've seen you in shorts once, actually. When? When you came over to my house to borrow the lawnmower, you had on shorts. Really? And I saw your bare leg. I've seen you in boxer shorts, too. <laughs> when? I think in one of our trips, like, you changed clothes in front of me or something. I think you should get a little more specific for the audience. Well, I mean, we didn't have like a dress up party, but okay. <laughs> it was like, uh, hey, I got to, you know, we're late for something and you were changing your clothes or something. I don't know. I mean, I didn't mark it on my oh, calendar. Oh, in Guatemala? I'll bet it Maybe. was in Guatemala at Lake Atitlan. Okay, sure. That, that one crazy day. <laughs> so, anyway. That was, whew, what that just was, happened there? That was possibly the, the <laughs> wildest tangent we've ever been on. You've seen me in my boxers and in shorts. I've seen your bare legs. And they're fine. I don't see why you don't like shorts. I'm just, no. No, not for you? No. Um, but it could be for a clone body. Right. Right? Yeah. Let's just get back to it, buddy. <laughs> um, and uh, again, back to the reanimation research. There, I think we've talked about before Max Planck Institute. Back in 2000, there's this one thing on the web, and I can't find any follow-up stuff or any lead-up stuff, but basically they're talking about what um, therapeutic hypothermia research has shown, that if you, it's not death that injures cells and tissue and makes them unreanimatable. Right. It's trying to reanimate them and doing it too quickly. Oh, yeah. And um, they were working on reanimating dead bodies. Um, and apparently since then, we have figured out how to reanimate some cryopreserved tissue, like a rabbit kidney. Yeah, it worked. In 2005, apparently, they, they vitrified a rabbit kidney. Um, they took it out of a rabbit, 
They said, you wait here, vitrified the kidney, uh, brought it back, put it back in the rabbit and said, go urinate. And the rabbit did. And the kidney exploded. <laughs> the end. Uh, they have also reanimated a, a nematode worm. Um, big deal, but hey, it worked. But no other mammals. Yeah. They said dogs and monkeys, they've had their blood replaced. Well, remember that, that supposed Russian yeah. uh, research film from 1941 <laughs> yeah. of the dog's head? Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah. Uh, but dogs and monkeys, they've had their blood replaced with the um, antifreeze, essentially. Mm-hmm. Cooled it to below zero degrees and rewarmed it and revived them successfully. But that's zero degrees is a long, long way from negative 300 oh, Celsius. Yeah. Yes. But but they're pointing this to this and saying, hey, look, this is this could be possible. Right. And it wasn't even vitrified, was it? It was just brought to a low temperature? No, no, no. It said their blood was replaced. It was. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, or I don't know if all the cells were, but the blood was at least. Yeah. So um, there are things to look for in the future when you are um, successfully reanimated, possibly given a cloned body that wears Daisy Dukes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be some legal issues that people are already starting to think of. About reanimating? Yes. For example... When you are taken off to the cryonics facility, as far as society and the court system and the Social Security Administration is concerned, oh, sure. you're illegally dead. Yeah, I didn't think about that. What happens when you come back to life? You'd have so to they, apply to be a new person again, I guess. So they figure that probably if somebody who's presumed dead and wasn't, right, but they were declared legally dead and they come back after that, they're re- they're, nobody says, well, sorry. Yeah. And nobody's going to say that somebody's who's reanimated. But one of the other propositions that they, they're considering as a possibility is issuing you a new birth certificate. Really? Yeah, isn't that cool? That is So you would be cool. literally reborn as far as the law is concerned. Huh. Um, and then also what happens, Chuck, as happened in the 1970s when there were, uh, I, I think, six big cryogenic suspension uh, companies in operation. Yeah. And that number dropped dramatically in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, what happened to those bodies? Do you know? I do know. They were left to rot. Really? Yes. They The company went bankrupt and said, we don't have any money to keep these things going. Wow. And um, it, since it was a corporation, they could say that, and the person walked away. But the bodies were just left to thaw and rot, and that's what happened. Um, Alcor supposedly has a fund yeah. set aside to where if anything happens to the company, it will provide a, a bridge to continue care until yeah. they figure out what to do with these. That's where a lot of the 200 grand goes, supposedly. I yeah. think about half of that goes into that trust. And I, w- I was researching them. Apparently, they have a self-perpetuating board, which they're uh, frequently criticized for. Right. Um, because it's just there's no new blood in there, as it were. <laughs> but the board is generally or has been um, very transparent about how much money is paid. Like um, in 1990, supposedly, they announced that they were going to um, slash their staff's pay across the board by like 25%. Right. The average staff worker there made like 25 grand. Yeah, board year. members don't get paid at all, right? Right. Um, so su- supposedly, these people are just into it like two. Um, further cryonic research and yeah. and keep these bodies suspended, right? That's what 
you'll see on their website at least. Right. Yeah. But I was reading some outside links. There's this blog called um, Depressed Metabolism, uh-huh. which is just about all that. Um, and they, they, they were going over a 2009 Alcor report. Um, but they seem very conservative but not good at generating their own income. They rely a lot on donations. Yeah. All the technology they use is licensed elsewhere. So there's like bleeding money, but they manage to stay afloat because of donations from like wealthy members, which is kind of unfair. Right. So, but they're very conservative too. Right. Um, whereas like the Cryonics Institute was always kind of, um, uh, criticized for being like a little reckless, a little cutting edge, but right. they were looking at cryonics as not necessarily a way to keep, um, people in suspended animation, but how do we apply this medically and get these people reanimated again? Right. Not just indefinitely, you know, in suspended animation. Well, and how do you get medical, mainstream medical science behind this period is one of their big battles. Yeah. Uh, I know that Alcor is in Arizona, and then 2004 there was a a bill passed by the House there in Arizona that basically was going to put them under the regulation of the state funeral board, which would have effectively probably shut them down. Yeah. And it was pulled from the floor, but they said it was a really nasty debate on the floor. And because uh, there's a lot of religious uh, ethical ramifications here that that I guess we could talk about. But they said that we don't know. This could come back and they could shut us down. You never know. Yeah. In, in Arizona, at least. Yes. But uh, the, the ethical concerns is Alcor on their website again has uh, addressed some of these because uh, a lot of religious folks might say this is not, you know, something you should be doing. You shouldn't be playing God, quote-unquote. And they say that patients are theologically equivalent to unconscious patients in a hospital with an uncertain prognosis. Yeah. Theologically speaking. And And then they've had people write in to, like, people in the Catholic Church and Protestant churches and even the... uh, uh, Jesus Christ, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, they've written essays supporting it. Some people have. Yeah, it's like if you're on life support, you're playing God or somebody's playing yeah. God with you. But other people in religious circles have blasted it, so it yeah. depends on who you want to listen to. Yes, it does. And they said it's not just for the rich. That's one of the myths, they say. It's not an indulgence of the rich. And they say most of the membership is middle class. Yeah, and paid for with insurance. Yeah, life I, insurance. I don't. Is that true? I have. I didn't get a chance to research that one. I, I have to look into that. Not for myself, here. but Paul Rudd's making a movie about this. Did you see that? It's been done. No. <laughs> what? Iceman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Iceman Two: The Return of Iceman. Iceman Three: The Iceman. Little Dilla. Iceman Junior. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, well, this one is bona fide. Uh, Errol Morris, the awesome documentarian. Yeah. He's making his first, uh, non-documentary film since the early 90s. Fiction? I'm sure. But it's not <laughs> fiction because it's a true story. Oh. So I first, gotcha. first feature film. Yeah. Um, wow, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's he called. He just came out with a new documentary recently too, didn't he? Yeah, it's, uh, it's about that, uh, it's about the tabloid scandal when that yeah. woman kidnapped the 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 was Mormon. I don't know. I think this woman kidnapped some Mormon guy and like took her took him away to some cabin and forced sex upon him for that like months, crazy. and then came back and was a celebrity because of it in the seventies. Wow. Yeah, it looks really good. So his feature film. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, that's all right. It's uh, it's based on the memoir by Robert F. Nelson called uh, and taken from a This American Life segment. And oh, Ira yeah. Glass is producing this. Isn't everything taken from a This American Life segment? 
And the name of This American Life was You're as Cold You're Cold as Ice was the name of their show. Personally, I think wow. High Frozen Body, a little better. Way better, Chuck. Way to go. So Paul Rudd, one of my favorites. He's playing this dude. Yeah. Good for him. Good for Ira, too. Oh, we need to talk about Ted Williams real quick. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. That was close. <laughs> well, as you said, Walt Disney was not uh, suspended in liquid nitrogen, but Ted Williams, the famous hitter, the last hitter to hit 400 in baseball, mm-hmm. is. Yeah. He's uh, an Alcor member. Yeah. 2002, they put him on Vitrify. And, um, they set, set it to vitrify. Yeah. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, his, there's, there was a legal battle over it. Um, apparently his daughter was accusing his son of having him, uh, vitrified, put in cryonic animation or suspended animation, um, because he wanted to later sell his dad's DNA. Which, Which apparently is- his son was like, yeah, maybe, but dad still wanted to. We had a sign pact. Me, and our other sister, but not you. Yeah. And so... Um, he didn't even know him till he was 30, though. He was a half-brother. Is that right? Or a half-son. Okay. Well, Ted was running around telling people all sorts of different stuff, apparently. Yeah. He told his daughter that he wanted to be um, scattered. His He wanted to be cremated and have his cremated remains scattered over the Florida Keys. So says she. The daughter. Yeah. The son said, no, we had a pact, a signed pact, which mm-hmm. apparently he was able to produce. So yeah. the judge said, okay, Ted's going to stay frozen. You can't sell his DNA. Bing, bang, boom, Bon Jovi. Case closed. Yeah. That and the, banging a gavel. the son got a, he, he was painted in an unfair light because of this Sports Illustrated article by Tom Verducci that basically slammed him as, hey, this kid didn't even know him until he's 30. He's going to sell his DNA. And it was apparently he got one version of the story and that's it. And Stopped his fact checking there. So oh, yeah. I've seen follow up reports where this guy was like, that ain't what happened. And I did not want to sell his DNA. And like, we really got to be close after I met him later in life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, uh, you got anything else? Uh, just if you want to know how popular this is, um, as of June of this year, Alcor has 950 members and 106 quote-unquote, patients. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call them, huh? And uh, Michigan, at the Cryonics Institute, I believe, has over 100. So there's a couple of hundred and change people current, currently in the United States. That upside are down upside in down vats of liquid nitrogen. With other people. Yeah. One of them might be Ted Williams. I wonder if they're like, hey, check it out. Yeah. The Yankee Clipper. No, that was Joe DiMaggio. Ted Williams was the uh, the boss. Oh, was he? No. He was the Red Sox. It was like the monster or... I always confuse him with Johnny Bench. Didn't they play at the same time? Or Collier Stremski? Uh, maybe it may have overlapped. It was like the big hitter or the monster hitter. Or... <laughs> well, he was the last player to hit 400, so. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, anyway, way to go, Ted. <laughs> um, if you want to learn more about baseball, we encourage you to type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also type in uh, cryonics, C-R-Y-O-N-I-C-S, um, and that will lead you to some cool articles. Also, uh, if you have not gotten around to reading H.P. Lovecraft's brilliant short story, Herbert West Reanimator, oh yeah, check it out. Probably his best. Um, and I said Reanimator, which means that it's time for a listener mail. That's right. Oh boy, I'm gonna get hammered by Yankee fans and Red Sox fans for that. Yeah, I'd back off of that one. Joe DiMaggio's a Yankee Clipper. Ted Williams is the monster. 
Yeah, now, well, the green monster is, is that what you're thinking? Damn. I, I, I mean, clearly <laughs> that's influencing it, but there's something there. <clears throat> All right. Today, Josh, I got on Facebook. I don't know if you saw, and I was like, I can't find any good listener mail, so some, tell, tell me some stories. And I just got a few of those to read off. Uh, Nathan, uh, I'm sorry, Nathaniel Jer- Jerkowitz, Jerkowitz got hit by a car while walking home from work earlier this week as I was listening to one of your episodes. Cool. Which one? I don't know. He said he rolled off the hood and checked to make sure nothing was broken <laughs> and then scrolled back to what I had missed. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah. That was Nathan? Nathaniel. So I hope you're okay. Nathaniel. Yeah. Hang in there, Nathaniel. Uh, Belina Alina yeah. said, uh, my doctor says I mispronounce letters when I speak, not because of a lisp, but because I have a heart-shaped uvula. To be honest, until he pointed it out, I didn't have any idea that everyone else's uvula did not have a split in the center. How about that? Yeah. Split uvula. Yeah, I've heard of that. And uh, Angie Stecken says, uh, when I was seven years old, my mom spotted a wood tick in my ear while eating at the subway. I screamed hysterically. My stepdad tried to remove it with a plastic, a variety of plastic cutlery. And an acetylene torch. <laughs> I attracted the attention of a cop who tried his best with keys. I started to bleed from my ear, and the subway uh, told us to leave. The subway did. Weird. <laughs> uh, my mom sat me on a bench outside, continued the quest. The man sitting next to, next to us asked about why I was screaming, and once my mom told him, he asked if he could try and produce a hook for a hand. What sp- is going on with this story? I'm so confused. She had a tick in her ear. No right. one could get it out. Okay. They went outside, yeah. and this dude... The subway told him to. And then this dude with a hook on his hand said, Can I give it a shot? Okay. This guy's in New York. Uh, I screamed even louder as my mother held me down, <laughs> and the man plucked the tick from my ear. So uh, I wanted to, I thanked him for saving my life, and it's still I still smile every time I encounter a person with a hook for a hand. And they think that she's laughing at them. I don't know. And then finally, uh, congratulations to our buddy Andy John Cox. Yeah, with the mustache. He got engaged. Oh, hey, congratulations. Yep, and she wow. said yes, and uh, he's getting married, and Andy's one of our boys, and... Way to go, dude. That is fantastic. Way to go. I'm sure you shaved off the mustache and it said, will you marry me underneath it <laughs> in pen. <laughs> in tattoo. Uh, yeah, that was a great idea, Chuck. Stories. you got a story you want to hear it, uh, wait until Chuck asks. Nah, forget it. Just go ahead and let <laughs> us know. Go on to our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can also tweet us stories if they consist of 140 characters or less. Ooh, that'd be good. Um, to That's a great idea. Uh, you can. We want your 140-character story that's on cool. Twitter. Um, good idea, Chuck. S-Y-S-K podcast is our Twitter handle. And then you can also send us email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?